So this morning I want to spend uh, once again some time in Ephesians. Uh, this morning we're in Ephesians chapter 4 beginning at verse 25 and we'll go all the way to chapter 5 verse 2. And in this passage of scripture, Paul is telling the Christians in the church at Ephesus, and of course we know also this church in countryside, he's telling us that there are rules to the Christian life, and he outlines them for us uh, pretty succinctly. So hear what Paul writes to the church at Ephesus. So then, putting away falsehood, let us let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not make room for the devil. Thieves must give up stealing. Rather, let them labor and work honestly with their own hands so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander, together with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And so, as I said this morning, I want to spend some time looking at this passage of Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus, where Paul is giving the Christians in Ephesus and us some rules for a life in Christ. The thing is, once you make a decision to follow Christ, the transformation in your life begins and we then have to daily work to be more and more like Jesus. It's not automatic. It, there's no pixie dust sprinkled on you. Uh, maybe there's a Disney thing going on here, uh, Cindy, I don't know. There's no pixie dust sprinkled on you that changes how you react as a human being to other human beings. You have to work at it. And every day, if you work at it, you will be less and less like the person you were before, before you accepted Jesus as Lord. And it's not an easy path. It's not an easy road when we're trying to put away our old self and take on the person of Christ. And so Paul acknowledges the fact that it's not easy being a Christian. It's not easy being a Christ follower. And so he gives us some guidelines, some rules, if you will, to help us along the way. And so he outlines them very succinctly in Ephesians 4. And he says, rule number one, 
No more lies. No more pretense. Tell your neighbor the truth. See, in Christ's body, Paul says, we're all connected to each other. And when you lie to others, you end up just lying to yourself. Number two, kind of a surprising rule. He says, go ahead and be angry. You do well to be angry, some versions say. But the thing is, don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. Don't stay angry. Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. Rule number three, don't steal. If you used to make ends meet by stealing from others, don't do that anymore. Get an honest job so that you can help others who aren't able to work. That seems pretty straightforward. Rule number four, watch the way you talk, especially when driving in Houston. <laughs> Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Yeah, that's a hard one, isn't it? Say only what helps, because each word is a gift. I was in the Marine Corps for a long time. Sometimes my gifts look different than others. I'm working on it. Rule number five, don't grieve God. Don't break the heart of God. His Holy Spirit is moving and breathing in you, and he is the most intimate part of your life. Why? Because he wants to make you fit for a relationship with him. And you can't take that kind of gift for granted, so don't grieve God, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Number six, make a clean break with all the backbiting and profane talk, the cutting others down. Instead, be gentle with one another. Be sensitive to another's need. Forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. Holding grudges does no one, including yourself, any good at all. And then the last rule, rule number seven, wake up from your slumber. See, here's the thing in culture today. In culture today, they have this thing called being woke. You've heard it. Being woke. See, the problem with wokeness is that it's a lie from the pit of hell. It takes no account for the grace and mercy and forgiveness of God. We don't need wokeness in our culture, which is a mental disorder. What we need is an awakening. Not wokeness, but an awakening in Christ that leads to revival. What we have to do as we awaken 
is watch what God is already doing. And then do that. Mostly what God does is love you. And so if we keep company with God and learn this life of love instead of this life of pointing the finger at others and casting blame, if we learn this life of love, if we observe how Christ loved us, how his love was not cautious but was extravagant, he didn't, he didn't love in order to get something from us, but rather he loved and gave everything to us. If we love like that, there's no room for all the other stuff, the hate and the intolerance, the racism, the hatred, the hate speak, the, all the things that are out there in the world today. Love doesn't do that. And so if we will just love away to this atmosphere of love that Christ gave us, if we'll do that, then the problems of the world can be solved. But if we lull ourselves into a false sense of wokeness, which is slumber, by the way, which is being asleep to the love and mercy and grace of God, then there's no hope for those who are in that slumber. Save only Christ. So when we take those seven rules, if we're willing to follow the rules, if you're willing to heed the guidance that Paul has given us, then this transformative, sanctifying power of Christ will work in you and Christ will complete that good work that he started in you. That's a promise from God to you. And then this transformative power will change your life in such a way that you won't recognize who you were before Christ. I know because I've been through it. See, I've said this to you in a matter of confession, but every now and then I need to remind you and remind me that your pastor was once, like Paul, a sinner of sinners. I can admit it now because Jesus has taken the sin and the shame away. It doesn't mean I'm perfect. I'm perfect. Just ask Angela. She'll tell you I'm far from perfect. It doesn't mean I'm perfect, but what it means is I am on a sanctifying road to be more and more like Christ. Paul had this kind of experience. In Galatians chapter 1, he talks about it. Starting at verse 11, Galatians 1.11, he says, For I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel that was proclaimed by me is not of human origin. For I did not receive it from a human source, 
nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. You have heard, no doubt, of my earlier life in Judaism. I was violently persecuting the church of God and was trying to destroy it. I advanced in Judaism beyond many among my people of the same age, for I was far more zealous for the traditions of my ancestors. But when God, who had set me apart before I was born and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me so that I might proclaim him among the Gentiles, I did not confer with any human being. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were already apostles before me. But I went away at once into Arabia, and afterward I returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I did go up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas, Simon Peter, and stayed with him 15 days. But I did not see any other apostle except James, the Lord's brother. And what I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown by sight to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard it said, the one who formerly was persecuting us is now proclaiming the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. So Paul has an account of who he was before Christ. And then, although he mentions it briefly in that he traveled to Damascus, what he doesn't talk about is he had an experience with the living Christ on the road to Damascus that changed his life forever. And so after that, Paul used his past as a testimony and a witness to the power of Christ to transform us from who we were into who we are when we have this relationship with Christ. See, Paul's testimony and Paul's witness are, are glorifying to God and they cause those who hear it, just as he says, to glorify God also. We could end this talk right now and it would be sufficient. The power of Christ transforms us from our old sinful self to a new creation in Christ. We could stop right there. And some of you might be going, yes, yeah, stop right there. But see, Paul had this testimony. Paul had a witness and it glorified God when people heard it. This is why it's so important that each of us be willing to share our own testimony of how we came to know Christ so that others can hear it and it will glorify God and cause them to dig deeper into what you have so that they might have it also. And so what we need to understand here this morning is that we all have this testimony. We're all called to witness to the transforming power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which comes alive to people who hear it in our story, who see it being walked out in our lives. 
That's why the rules to living like a Christian are so important. When people look at our lives, do we want them to see a Christ-like person living in a Christ-like way, or do we want them to see our old self, no self-control, a little bit of chaos, a whole lot of whining and complaining? Do we want them to see that person and identify that person as a Christian? Or do we want them to see our Christ-like self, the person we are striving to be as we become more and more like him? See, Paul says, it's no secret about my past. It's no secret that I was trying to destroy Christians. I was trying to destroy everything about them, their lives, their livelihoods, their faith. I was a zealot for the Jewish traditions. I was relentless in my persecution of this new Christian church. I was perfectly willing and able to do evil in the name of good intentions. There's a whole lot of that going on right now, by the way. And when they stoned Stephen to death, Paul says, I encouraged them. I egged them on. Matter of fact, I held everybody's coats so that they could get a better throw. But then, Paul says, on the Damascus road, I encountered the living Christ. That experience blinded me physically so that I could stew in my own spiritual blindness for a while. And then, Paul says, when he healed me, when he restored my sight to me, I believed in him And my spiritual blindness was healed also. And Paul says, look at me now. I'm a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not the man I used to be. I'm not the man I used to be because what you see in me is not me, but Christ in me. Paul's testimony excites me because I can identify with Paul and maybe you can too because there was a time when I was a zealot for things outside the will and word of the one true God. There was a time when my priorities were my career, the pursuit of things that I thought were more important than anything or anybody, the accumulation of wealth, the attaining of status and power and prestige. In other words, human glory. But then I had an encounter with the living Christ. I had my own Damascus Road experience. And my eyes were opened. See, I used to think that position was more important than people. But like Paul, I'm not the man I used to be. I I used to climb the power ladder. I was unconcerned with who I had to step on or over to get to the next rung. But like Paul, I'm not the man that I used to be. I used to try to live beyond my means, 
spending excessively to have stuff. Not just stuff, but the finest stuff. Let's see, I'm not the man I used to be. I used to be a selfish husband. Just sit and be quiet. <laughs> I used to be a selfish husband, thinking that my needs were more important than my wife's. But see, I'm not the man that I used to be. See, I, I used to be a father focused on my career instead of my children. But see, I'm not the man that I used to be. I used to be a cultural Christian, thinking that I didn't need to go to church, thinking I could believe in a God that fit my lifestyle, thinking I could do my own thing on Sundays because church just wasn't convenient to my recreation time. But thank God Almighty for His grace and His mercy because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm not the man I used to be. See, Paul found that his jaded past, the testimony of his transformation from persecutor of Christians to preacher of the faith, served to show the power of the Holy Spirit to transform a sinner into a saint. See, Paul found that, that God, who had set him apart before he was born and called him through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son Jesus to him so that he might proclaim Jesus among the Gentiles. And so I can identify with Paul. I didn't say equate myself with Paul. Let's be clear. I can identify with Paul's testimony because like Paul, my jaded past, your jaded past, by the way, is used by God, a God of mercy and grace to speak into the lives of other people to show them the transforming power of God. And so Paul's life, my life, your life is a testimony and a witness to the saving grace of God through Jesus by the Holy Spirit. And when people hear your testimony, they will respond by glorifying God. How do they do that? How do they glorify God? They glorify God when they allow his word to penetrate their hearts. They glorify God when they hear your testimony and your witness of the gospel and their spiritual eyes are open. They, they glorify God when their spiritual eyes are opened and they accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They glorify God when they hunger and thirst for the knowledge of the word of God and they become disciples of Jesus Christ. They glorify God when they learn enough about being a disciple that they begin to disciple others. They glorify God when those they are discipling go and make disciples. And on and on it goes until all that will reach the maturity of the fullness of Christ. 
See, if you are at a place in your life where you know you're still the person you used to be, does that make sense? Where you are still all about your wants, your needs, your priorities, instead of those of the Most High God, then it's time to change. It's time to grow up spiritually. No matter what your age, 1 Corinthians, Paul reminds us, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, but when I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. And so now it's time spiritually for us to put aside childish ways. How do we do that? Well, we do that by inviting Jesus to be the Lord of our life today. And every day. Not just with words, but with the follow through of actions and lifestyle. Invite Jesus to create in you a clean heart and to renew a right spirit within you. If I can quote King David for a moment. Choose the free gift of salvation in Jesus. If, if you have not done so already, and then begin the journey of sanctification wherein you will become more and more like Christ. And then... When you stand before Jesus in this life, when you go to him in prayer, you can hold your head up and look into the face of God and say, because of you, God, because of you, my Lord Jesus, I'm not the man, I'm not the woman I used to be. not the man I used to be. Because of you, Jesus, I'm not who I used to be. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.